Good morning, everybody. I want to take this time to uh, welcome each and every one of you to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Scanning the QR code located on the front of the worship guide allows you to connect to all online information about the church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with uh, our social media platforms all in one place. Guests, please click on the menu item for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you can mail a check to our address at 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Um, we have Trunk or Treat coming up. I just want to remind everyone that uh, to volunteer for a Trunk or Treat, to help with the event, to decorate a trunk, or to bring candy. There's going to be a volunteer meeting via Zoom on this coming Thursday, uh, the 19th at 7 p.m. That's all of our announcements today. I would direct your attention to the back of the uh, the guide to get some more information on tr- Trunk or Treat and what upcoming events. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I understand, y'all. I understand. (laughs) This is the day that the Lord has made, and we have come into this place to rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Um, There is a a song um, that's several years old now. It it says, um, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. How many people want to believe there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain? Whatever we are going through, the word says that we have already overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And this song, um, it's a it's a new song um, because I, I really do, I said this a few weeks ago, I think, I really do believe that um, this time of our service is so important. Um, to invite the Spirit to move on our on us individually and as a congregation, and um, we the song says we call on Jesus and we ask Him to show up and show out to move how you want to move, heal what you want to heal. So um, as we as I sing this song, just meditate on the words. The words will be up on the screen. So use this as your uh, prayer and meditation to the Lord to um, do a work in your heart uh, today. When we speak your name, 
something happens in the room. Our hands go up. We can't wait to see what you're going to do when we speak your name. The power is released. As we bow down before you, every demon has to flee. Before we do anything else, we call on you. Before we do anything else, we call on you. We call on Jesus. Show up, show out, Jesus. Move how you want to move, Jesus. Do what you want to do, what you want to do. We call on Jesus. Show up, show out, Jesus. Move how you want to move, Jesus. Do what you want to do, what you want to do. When we speak your name, something happens in the room. Our hands go up. We can't wait to see. has to flee before we do anything else we call on you before we do anything else we call on you we call on Jesus show up show out Jesus move how you want to move Jesus do what you want to do Call on you before. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, you are great. How great you are. You are the creator of heaven and earth, of all things, seen and unseen, and we praise you. You are above all things, yet you hold all things together by the word of your power. You are amazing, God. You are beyond time. You are always before. You are Alpha and Omega. 
the first and the last. There is no time where you are not. And your name, I am, says it all. Yet, you are intimately involved in every moment of our life. And we praise you for that, Father. You are amazing beyond anything we can imagine. That you are with us. You initiate a relationship with us. For all this and more, we praise you. Father, we praise you because you are holy and just and loving and merciful and good. We were dead in our trespasses. We were your enemies. We were by nature children of wrath. Yet, by your great love and mercy and grace and through the blood of Jesus, you have made us alive with Jesus and seated in the heavenly places with him. We praise you, Father, for that. You have resuscitated us. You have rescued us. You have reconciled us. You've saved us. You sanctify us. You justify us. You reconcile us. And you will resurrect us. For this and more, we praise you. Father, I've just been thinking this week how much more we need of you. It is so easy for us to just come here for an hour every week and then act as if you don't exist the rest of the time. Don't let us be like those in Revelation who you said lost their first love. Draw us to yourself. Compel us. Convict us. Help our souls to pant for you like a deer pants for the water brook. Help us to live our lives thirsty for you like in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Don't leave us in this state of complacency, but set us on fire for you, Father. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our confession of faith comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'll ask the question and the congregation can answer. Question 11. What is God's providence? God's providence is his completely holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing every creature and every action.
Thank you, Kevin, for that lovely song. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. I heard the kids. Thank you. I would like to thank Elder Goodson for that prayer. I also would like to remind everyone to keep Israel and all the countries around that circling area in your prayers. There's a lot going on. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for because we in America, we're, we can always isolate ourselves. Uh, we can watch a football game, take our mind off the worries of the world. And I think it's a blessing that God gives us. Um, the peace that he gives, I'm hoping that they can find some form of peace when they're running for their lives. And that's a blessing. I also want to pray that we keep the guy, young man, indicator in your prayers who has gone down and uh, that God's will be uh, carried out and that truth will come out and honesty will come out and your family will receive favor. Um, I'll let you guys read up on it and look into those things in yourself. But now we must stand for the reading of the word. The reading of the word would come from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, and it reads, just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He asked him. Jesus answered, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. And love your neighbors as yourself. Amen. Um, I have kept all these, <clears throat> the young man told him. What, what do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go and sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus said to disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and asked, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with, with, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter responded to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is, sits on his glorious throne, you who, follow, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left his houses or his brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or, friend, or, I'm sorry, or fields because of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last and the first last, no, I'm sorry, and the last first. 
This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, you are a God who knows all of our needs, even uh, before we ask, even before we bring our prayers of supplication before you. So, Lord, our prayer, when we do pray, we are acknowledging our dependency upon you. When we bend our hearts and knees in prayer, we are acknowledging that we, we need more than just connections and our degrees and our bank accounts and, and, uh, and, 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 and our own hands. We are acknowledging that you are the one who is sovereign in our life and that your providence in our, is at work in every area of our life, every area of this country, every area in the world. And so my prayer is that your will will be done in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the fears, in the midst of all the conflict, relational conflict, national conflict, wars, Lord, and that people will not lose hope, that people will be able to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living that you will work justice in the land, that you will bring peace, Lord, that you will give wisdom to leaders of nations, that they will lead wisely, Lord, and in humility. The heart of the king is in your you You bend it to wherever you want it to be. And so, Lord, will your will be done. And I pray for us that you help us to be able to accept that will when it's something that we really don't want or if it's something that we really don't understand, that we would know and believe that our God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a merciful God. And he's a warrior. And that he is not silent. That he is still at work. And I pray for all this in Christ's wonderful name. Good morning, TVC Saints. Hopefully you all are doing well. If you are a guest today, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Today we are going to commission uh, two new deacon assistants. And if you're new here, deacon assistants, they are called and serve as assistants to deacons. And they assist the deacons in caring for the sick, the widows, the orphans, the prisoner, and everyone else who is in need. And so I would like to invite Jamie and Watita Shipman up front, Jamie Moon up front. Yeah. <coughs> well, y'all can face the congregation. I'm going to ask y'all vows if you can respond with yes. The session with the guidance of the Holy Spirit affirms that Waquita Shipman and Jamie Moon has been appointed by the session as deacon assistants here at the Village Church. And each of these beloved saints have been trained to serve in this particular new world to help the deacons. And so now I'm going to ask you all some commissioning vows. You can respond with um, yes. Do you accept the ministry of deacon assistant in confidence that it comes from God? 
Will you fulfill this ministry in accordance with the teachings and practices of the British Church and the Presbyterian Church in America? Will you be diligent in your study of Scripture, faithful, faithful in your use of the means of grace, and constant in prayer? Will you trust in God's care, seek to grow in love for those you serve, strive for excellence in your work, uphold the unity, purity, and peace of the church, and adorn the gospel with a godly life? Now I have some uh, questions for you, the congregation. Beloved saints of TVC, will you receive these two servants as, as servants unto the Lord? Will you encourage them as they accept this responsibility in our common life? Will you personally support them so that they would serve with joy and not grief? Waikita Shipman, Jamie Moon, each of you have been trained and certified for this ministry, and the session of the Village Church commissioned both of you to serve as deacon assistants here at TVC. So, welcome. Not yet. So, if, if there are any deacon assistants, deacons that are here, elders, if you come up, we'll lay our hands on them, and I'll pray over them. Women shepherds as well. Let us pray. Father, thank you uh, for my wife and for my brother Jamie for calling them to serve in this role. I pray that they will be able to use their gifts to help serve on the de with the deacons and also help serve and edify our body. And so I thank you for them. I pray also against the enemy who will come against them. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the life of our church, the leaders that you're continually to raise up. We are grateful, Lord, for your presence for your faithfulness, and I pray blessings over Jamie and over Waikita. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, patience. Good morning again, saints. We are in the home stretch uh, in the Vision and Mission Sermon Series of Resurrection Advocates. Next week's sermon uh, will be um, the last sermon in this series. And the goal for this series, if you can remember, the goal was uh, how does Jesus function as an advocate for the truth? We wanted to see how Jesus Christ himself practiced evangelism in his earthly ministry. And so we've looked at four examples so far of how Jesus was an advocate for the truth and, and how he shared the gospel uh, with others. We, we looked at how he related to a Pharisee, uh, a suffering woman, uh, the two sisters of, of Bethany, and an invalid man. And, and, and today we are going to see him be an advocate for, for, the, um, for the truth for another individual. And that's in Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30. So please pray with me as I ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the word. Good Spirit, our advocate, our counselor, uh, the, the deposit that guarantees our inheritance, I pray that uh, you will move in this place that you will continue to move in our hearts, continue to move in our minds, uh, that you would take uh, this preached word and, and apply it to, to me and apply it to the hearts of everyone that's here and, and the hearts and minds of everyone who may be tuning in online, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Take our life, take our minds, take our time, take our schedule. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Beth, the music has uh, a song called uh, Come to Me. This song is, is about Jesus extending a, an invitation for people to come to him. The chorus of the song says, come to me, I'm all you need. Come to me, I'm everything. Come to me. I'm all you need. Come to me. I'm your everything. In Matthew 19, three groups of people separately come to Jesus. In verses 1 through 12, um, Pharisees come to him. And, and why do you think they come to him? They come to him uh, to test him about divorce to test him about Moses' teaching about divorce, which is found in, uh, in Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. In verses 13 through 15, uh, little children come to him. And, and why do you think they come? They, they come to him so that Jesus might lay his hands on them and that he might pray for them. And these parents, bringing them, the, the kids to Jesus, they are, it echoes what Moses instructs parents to do in Deuteronomy 4, 6, 11, and 31, and 32, about teaching the kids the statutes and the word of Yahweh Elohim. And in verses 16 through 20, one person comes to Jesus. The Greek text says, and behold, one comes. Matthew initially withholds the identity of this person. 
why you think he does that? Why do you think he withholds his identity? And it's not until verse 20 that, that we learn that the one who comes is a young man. Probably, for young it means he, he hasn't reached a mature age yet. It's probably what that means, this young man. And in verse 22, we learn something else about this man. The young man who comes to Jesus has great wealth. He has many possessions. Again, why do y'all think Matthew takes his time giving us details about the one who comes to Jesus in verse 16? Why? He doesn't do that with the Pharisees and the kids. He's, He's up front. The Pharisees come. Children come. But here he takes his time. Why? Maybe the young man is like the children in verses 13 and 15. And maybe he's also like the Pharisees in verses 1 through 12. See, the children that, that are brought to Jesus, they are, they're Jew, Jewish little children. And so is this young man. He's a young Jewish man. And that means as a young Jewish man, he was raised in a Jewish household. And in the first century, if you're raised in a Jewish household, there are certain things taking place in that household. His parents would have brought him to the synagogues. They would have celebrated the Passover. They may have participated in all the Jewish festivals. That his parents would, would have made known to him the statutes and the commands of our Lord, following the instructions of Moses in Deuteronomy. They would have even taught him the Ten Commandments, as in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. They would have taught him what it means to love your neighbor as yourself in Leviticus 19. They would also have taught him the Shema prayer in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall, you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by your way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hands, and, and they shall be as foot frontlets for your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this young Jewish man is like young people who were raised or is currently being raised in a Christian household. Like some of you. Like some of you. And sometimes young people raised in a Christian household have doubts about their faith. And that's okay. They have doubts. They have issues about it. They have some anger about it, maybe some hurt about it, maybe some fear and and confusion about the faith of their parents. They may even have questions about the faith. (coughs) What questions do you have about Christianity right now? Young people, teens, what questions 
do you have about the faith of your parents? This young man had a question. That's what brought him to Jesus. And it's a deep question. It's the type of question that that you just you don't ask, don't ask anybody. It's the type of question that would keep you up late at night. And we all have questions that keep us up late at night. Those deep philosophical questions. Why am I here? What's my purpose? They keep you up late at night. And, and no one has been able to give this young man the answer he seeks of this question. His parents hasn't. Oh, trust me, Jesus is not the first rabbi he has asked this question. So he's searching for something. What about you? What are you searching for? He's tried other people, and now he's going to try Jesus. He comes to Jesus with a question, and you can go to Jesus with your questions, with your concerns about the faith, and it's okay. And you might not get the answer that you want, but it's still okay to take those questions to him. So the young Jewish man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Notice the pronoun. What good must I do to have eternal life? Keep in mind that this young man is a first century Jewish man. So what would eternal life mean to him? Not to us in America. What would it mean to him? One um, scholar says, too often we read the New Testament simply as a Greek text with a Greek worldview rather than reading it as a Greek text with a Jewish worldview. And there's a difference. It's a big difference. This is written in Greek, but it has a Jewish worldview. A Jewish, in a Jewish worldview, eternal life means life in the world to come. Life unto the age. Jesus calls it the new and regenerated world in verse 28. What does he say here? What does he say in verse 28? Let me find it. Let me find it. What does he say? What does he say? Truly I say to you, in the new and regenerated world, it's the new heavens and the new earth. It's a life free from suffering, a life free from death, a life free from war, a life free from injustice, a life free from a cough that I can't seem to get rid of, a life free of all kinds of diseases and conflicts in, in our relationship. That is life in the world to come. So this man who comes to Jesus, I want life in the world to come. This life in the world to come is where God is in complete control and rule. It's the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus say in John 17, 13? Now, this is eternal life, that you know the only one true God and, the, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And so life that is to come is already present. It stands right in front of this young man. Instead, he's standing right in front of the life, the life that he seeks. He's standing standing right in front of it. Teacher, what good must I do in order to have life in the world 
to come? That's an honest question. That's a sincere question. It's one of those, what happens to me when I die, type question. Because none of us are living forever. What happens to me when I die? There is another world, and he's searching. He's searching. Jesus had three responses to this young brother. He, he, has a, he, he, he responds with another question that's typical Jesus. He has a why question to stimulate the young man's thinking. He gives him a theological statement about the one true God. And then he gives him a conditional statement that's just for the sake of argument. But if you would enter life in the world to come, then keep the commandments. Then keep the commandments. Look at what he says in, look at what Jesus replied to him in verse 17. Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. It's a theological statement. If you were into life, keep the commandments. The good that he must continue to do if he wants to get eternal life on his own record is that he has to have complete, perfect obedience. Complete, perfect obedience. And the young man says to Jesus, like, which ones? Can you give me the particular ones, Lord? Give me the list, Lord, so I can check them off. And what's on Jesus' list? He, he, he gives him the last five, ten commandments. Notice how he, that's what he tells him. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall be saved. And, you, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he quotes to him the last five, ten commandments from, from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And then he summarized, he, he gives a summary of those five, which is found in Leviticus 19 to Matthew 22. You love your neighbor as yourself. Why does Jesus list these as opposed to the first five in the Ten Commandments? Four prohibitions and two Positive commands. Why does he list these laws concerning how you treat other people? These laws here, were they were firmly a part of the first century Jewish community. And Jesus has already, if you know the book of the Gospel of Malachi, Gospel of Matthew, then you know that in the Sermon on the Mount, these are the very commandments that Jesus is addressing in the Sermon on the Mount. The very same ones. The very same ones. Maybe he's, he's, he, he, he pulls these out because these are the ones that Jesus knows that man has been diligently trying to keep his whole life. And this is what the, uh, the young man tells Jesus. What does he say? These I have kept. The complete Jewish Bible says, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws. Now you read that, you're like, well, is he being arrogant? Is he being self-righteous? I honestly believe, as someone who's been raised in, in a Jewish home, that he's actually been trying to live a good Jewish life. That's why he comes to Jesus. He's been trying. He's been trying. 
Some of us try. You do all the things. You go to church. You go to SEC class. Sometimes your parents got to drag you here. You do. You know the things. You know the stories. But sometimes you, you feel like something's missing. I know the answers, but something don't quite feel right. And that's what brings us into Jesus with this question. What must I do that I may have life in the world to come? Because he knows he doesn't have it. There's something in him that's telling him, I don't have it. So in the midst of him trying to live right, he feels like something is missing. What about you? In the midst of you trying to live right, trying to be that good spouse, that good husband, the good wife, the good child, the good sibling, the good employee, the good Christian, you, you still feel like I'm missing something. I'm right here, I'm missing something. I know the catechisms. I know scripture. But I'm missing something. He tells Jesus that he knows he doesn't have eternal life, even though he's morally good. He knows he's missing something. The complete Jewish Bible says, what does he say to Jesus in verse 20? All these I have kept, what do I still lack? The complete Jewish Bible says, where do I still fall short? Where do I still fall short? Where do we still fall short? He's doing all the things, but he has discernment, he has some self-awareness to know that he still lacks. Jesus' response is another conditional, it's another, uh, it's another forsaken argument, conditional statement. In verse 21, Jesus says, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess. Give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and, and follow me. If you are serious about reaching the goal, if you are serious about having been completely good and perfectly good, then you need to do this. Sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. What is the treasure in heaven? This is congregation participation. You can say stuff. What is the treasure in heaven? I didn't hear anything y'all said. What? Yes, Jesus. That's always a safe answer. Yeah. It is eternal life. That's the treasure in heaven. It's life in the look at this life in the world to come. And the life in the world to come is about the quality of life that those who have faith in Christ are gonna have. It's gonna be better than the life you currently got. It's life in the kingdom of heaven. That's what life is. It's, it's what Jesus tells uh, the disciples in verses twenty-eight. He said, "Truly, truly, I say to you." In the new world, which the Son of Man would sit on his throne, you who have followed me would sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or children, or land, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold 
and will inherit eternal life. <coughs> That's the treasure in heaven. That's our inheritance. That's our inheritance. Your inheritance if you have faith in Christ. Now, is heaven your treasure? I'm going to read something to you in Matthew 6. <coughs> Sorry about the cough, y'all. Recovering from a cold. You think it's the enemy now getting on me. In Matthew 6, verses uh, 19 through 21, Jesus says, and this is the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, TVC Saints, where's this man's treasure? <coughs> where's his treasure? Jesus' words reveals this young man's heart. And, and this is how he's like the Pharisees right here. You see, for the Pharisees, you know what their treasure is? There's traditions. That's their treasure. And it hinders them from Christ. And his treasure is his wealth. And it hinders him as well. It has his heart. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then in Matthew 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For, for, for either he will hate one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So where is his treasure where is his treasure? His treasure is in his possessions. You see, the selling and the giving away, you know what that's really about? You know what that's really about? It's really about him loving God more than his stuff. That's what it's about. The one true God, that, that selling and giving away, that's the, first, that's, the, that's, that's the first five commandments. You should have no other God before me. You should not have any graven images. You should not take the Lord's name in vain. You should keep the Sabbath holy. It's the first greatest commandment. You should love the God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is what Jesus is saying here. The seven and getting away, giving away is, did you know what God told the, 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 the people of Israel before they went into the promised land? This is in, this is in Deuteronomy 8. The whole chapter is devoted to, to this point. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. He, he warned Israel, he says, when you go to the promised land, when you have your field, when your barns are filled up, and you have all your blessings, you, have, you are at peace, you are at rest, you have prosperity, he says, do not forget me. Do not forget me. I'm giving you this blessing but don't forget the one who gave it to you. God himself is the treasure that is in heaven. Did you, who is God's treasured possession? Who is God's treasured possession? We are. That's in Deuteronomy. 
His people is the treasure possession. And so the same has to be true of us. If we are his treasure, then he is ours. How many of you would be happy in heaven if Jesus wasn't there, but if you had all your fancy stuff? Would you be satisfied with heaven without Jesus? Then why live life without him now? Why live life without him now? You can know him now. The song says, you are my strength when I'm weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. This is eternal life, that they know the one true God, Jesus, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. How does a rich young man respond to, to Jesus' um, words? And he says, when, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He walks away because his wealth, that's where his heart is. That has his allegiance. What has your allegiance? The affections of your heart. And Jesus says to the disciples, in, in beginning in verse 23, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will the rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And rich here, it, it, it don't have to just be money. It's whatever treasure you hold that is not God, that is not Christ. Whatever you hold that, that you just can't let go of, that if you, if you, if you surrender it to Christ, it, it makes you feel sorrowful. And you see, the sell, the give away, the come and the follow, all those commands that Jesus is, is, is giving to this young man and to us, these, these, those commands are really a reflection of what he says in Matthew 10. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He bids him come and die that he may truly live. That's what he bids him to do. And the same is true for us. Christ bids us to come seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Why? Because God cares for you. He will provide. If he made a way to deal with our sin, will he not make a way to deal with the things you're currently dealing with? We've got to give him some credit. Some credit. If he made a way for that, he'll help you in whatever you're dealing with. So when the disciples heard this about the rich people not can't get into heaven, it's hard. They were like astonished, like, well, who can be saved, Jesus? And I love what Jesus does. I love his nonverbal. So much is communicated in his nonverbals. It says he looks straight at them. With man, this is impossible, but with God. All things are possible. It's impossible for any of us to save ourselves through our own goodness. There ain't enough good we could do. But it's but what is but who, who makes it possible is the Father. How does He make it possible for people who aren't so good to have everlasting life? To be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. His son. 
his son. I hope you realize that even though this young man walks away in sorrow, there is still hope for him. There is still hope. Who knows? He, he might have came to faith later on. We don't know that. But we know, but what did you say? What is impossible for this man to do with himself is possible with God. And so there is always hope. And so if you're struggling right now, if you feel like you've wandered away and you've got sorrow, there is hope for you. There is hope. We all struggle. We all go through seasons where we feel like God is distant. We all have those moments where, where I can't get in the Word. I, I don't feel like it's memorizing. I don't feel these things. But there's always hope for us. But do we believe that? Do we cling to that? Look at the table before you. Please look at it. What, does, what, does, what should this table remind you of? It's a reminder that what is humanly impossible for us to do was made possible by a good God. Do I need to go back up from the pulpit to get the sign? What was humanly impossible for us to do has been made possible by a good God. It's impossible for us to be good enough. Our blood isn't good enough, but the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of the Lamb is good enough. It's good enough. And he invites those of you who have saving faith in him to partake of this meal for your own spiritual nourishment. Now, the bread doesn't turn into his body. The juice doesn't turn into his blood. But we do believe that the Spirit supernaturally uses this meal to give nourishment to those of us who have saving faith in Christ. Now, beloved, if, if the Spirit is convicting you of something, let the elements pass you by. Friends and um, guests, if you're, thank you for being here. But if you don't have faith in Christ, I thank you for being here. And if you have questions about what it means to know Jesus, please see me at the end of the service and we can sit down and and have a conversation about it. Uh, parents, we ask, or guardians, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. And now, TVC kids, let me have your attention. <coughs> this meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you, that he lived the life, died the death on your behalf. And it's my prayer as your pastor that each of you will come to save in faith and be able to partake of this meal with your parents, with your grandparents, or your guardians. That is my prayer for you. Please let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you did the impossible. You have made enemies friends, sinners saints, orphans, and to beloved sons and daughters, all because of your life, death, resurrection. Thank you, Lord. 
In spirit, I pray now that as we all partake of these elements, that you will give the spiritual nourishment to the places of our life and our minds and our hearts and our emotions that need it. And that we would be able to honestly submit to your will in our life. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a victor's gift. Lord, to give up I'd be. Christ's body broken for all of us. Eat of it, all of you. In the same manner, Jesus also took the cup. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. 
which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Beloved sons and daughters of a good father, this is Christ's blood shed for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of you. Lord Jesus, thank you again for your wonderful sacrifice that's on our behalf. Thank you that even right now you made intercession for your beloved. So I give my prayers for each of us that, Spirit, you'll give us the nourishment that we need as we head back out into the grind of another week. I pray blessings over us, blessings over us as a congregation, blessings over our families. It's in Christ's name that I do pray. Amen. Please stand, saints, as we close our service.
Sunday equipment classes will be after the service. Uh, nursery age kids will be in the nursery. Adults will be here. The youth will be in the basement. The village kids will be in the annex. And if you're going through the end of the village class, I will meet you in the annex after the service. Also, trunk or treat, help volunteer, invite a neighbor, share on your social media platforms as well. Now here's God's benediction. I think Richard has an announcement after the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in all hope. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You want them to see it? Or? Amen. 